welcome to ADI Ahmedabad. ADI Ahmedabad is a year old chapter of the 15 year old ADI. And uh, we have been doing this monthly tete-a-tete with various people for the last few months. We had a small break when everybody actually had COVID of some sort or some illness or the other. And we've just restarted this, I think for the last two months. So we welcome you and uh, do keep joining us for such events. This is one way to connect with the chapter. And we hope that you not only uh, follow us, come for these uh, talks, but also spread the videos that are created from these, because there's a lot of interesting information that we have gathered over the last few months. Um, we've had Naladri Kumar to start with, then we had uh, Prayas Rokre, Parag Mankikar, Akshay Gupta, and we had Brand Music, which was quite a surprise, even though I got them on board i had not expected what we got at the end you know the the uh, mastercard uh, mogo scape and the mogo and what they did with it was quite amazing so today we have a very interesting uh, guest noah heim i met noah noah in uh, 2018 in mumbai she was invited at that time by the netherlands consulate to speak and i found her description about STEAM education, extremely interesting. And so I kept all the materials she had, I, I kind of almost stole half of what she had brought and brought it back. So I always wanted to do something with Noah. Uh, her idea, what she does uh, with community interaction in a common place in a city or in a mall. Uh, I think it's fantastic and very, very important for how we connect with public spaces and public art. So welcome, uh, Noah, to the Ahmedabad chapter of ADI and to our tete-a-tete. Why don't you introduce yourself, talk, tell us about how your journey started, what you've studied, and how you came about this idea. Good afternoon, everybody. And thank you very much for inviting me. Welcome to my teenage room where I quarantine now for one week <laughs> between finishing one project in Berlin and celebrating Jewish New Year with my mother. And my name is Noah Chaim and I'm a designer and creative director of Collective Paper Aesthetics. Collective Paper Aesthetics and thank you very much, Gauri, for the wow. Gauri for the beautiful introduction. And collective paper aesthetics designs and develops audience engagement materials and STEAM education resources in the form of pop-up architecture and furnishing. So, what exactly is um, STEAM education, Noah, in your what? understanding? Because uh, in India, only STEM education is known. So what is STEAM education? I, uh, I, I will arrive to this in a few okay. more slides. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Or shall we jump to the slides now? We can do that here to explain what is STEAM education for me. Okay. So STEAM education for me is uh, hands-on engineering. It's a community, even though it's not a strict definition or it's not one of the... It's not defined as a community activity. Yeah. I think that community and I, 
What I do is I work between placemaking and STEAM. So for me, the aspect of community is important. The artistic expression is also sometimes it's inside STEAM, included inside STEAM, and sometimes not. As a business owner, if for my uh, client, it's important that their participants can have an artistic expression, then I do that. I allow it or we find more ways for finding for them artistic expression in over the top of the white material. Sometimes it's working better. Sometimes it's working less good. Um, and sometimes it's creating new issues which we need to overcome because in the project in the photo is from Art Center Sarasota, Florida in 2015. And when the head of education was asking the children to decorate the units, they wanted to take them home. So then they had, a, by letting them to artistically express themselves on the unit, the museum created a different issue that they had to uh, post on Facebook, uh, open calls asking from people to return the units. Design for all is, again, it's not, STEAM is standing for science, technology, Engineering. Engineering, art, and mathematics. Design for all is not a classic STEAM principle, but for me, I think that I, I look at design as a tool. And if it's a tool, then it should be available for all. And of course, mathematics. This is the fifth uh, principle that it's about hands-on mathematics and creating mathematics bodies or mathematics organi mathematical organizations using cardboard and hands-only. What, uh, what is your education background? I studied architecture and I worked as an architect for four years. Okay. As an architect and urban planner. And in 2008, London Festival of uh, Architecture invited me to present my thesis work as a, as a participatory installation. The topic of the venue was feeling high and they were looking into commercial and experimental ideas about high-rise living. And together with FabLab in Den Haag, we created 2,000 paper units, like the one that Gauri has. Exactly, like this one. This is a better version of this one. So I was traveling to London with uh, 2,000 pieces, and I was optimistic. I thought that I can, uh, with a few friends, we can put them all together into a structure at first. But 2,000 is a lot. <laughs> And if you hear urban legends about a girl folding paper cubes in the underground in 2008, this it's not a legend, it's me. Anyhow, we couldn't finish it. So actually, the idea of the participatory activity came from London Festival of Architecture Organization. They say, okay, if you can't finish, why won't we make it an open public participatory activity? And I was happy with that then not so many people came to this activity. I mean, we had a few visitors during the weekend, but two of them were education and learning or education and interpretation or learning and interpretation curators at the High World Gallery. The High World Gallery that summer had a beautiful exhibition called Psycho Buildings. 
both of them asked me if I can have a meeting with them after because they wanted to use this for public programs during the exhibition. The collaboration with, I went to the meeting, but the collaboration with the Hyroid was not working out. It was a bit too late or I can't remember why. Still, I had these few beautiful photos of, uh, I have a friend and the, the, the child is now 18. So I'm not sure if he's so happy. I'm still using his picture, but Asa and his sister, they are ch children of a friend of mine and they came to uh, play with it. And I had few photos of them. And uh, coming back to Rotterdam in autumn 2008, it was not so easy to find a job again as an architect. And I thought that in parallel, I will look if I can find another festival or museum that wants to have this I also, until today, it's a little bit difficult for me to, to name what I do. And all of, I think back then, so it's between, yeah, someone to host this thing. <laughs> and I uh, received many uh, positive feedbacks and many, lots of interest from uh, Dutch Design Week and from... Uh, I was also featured in the NRC Handelsblatt and the picture was indeed by Vincent Menzel as well. So we have common things now, Noah. So, yeah, they made an article about it and it was invited to funny thing that we have so much in common. Eh? And it was invited to a few festivals and then it received a few grants from, from the Ministry of Export and from uh, the Ministry from the BNO and with these grants, we managed to start a small business out of it, this idea. And this photo was taken at the Walker Out Art Center in Minneapolis in 2016, where we had, the museum was under construction. The education department was uh, operating from the basement and they had 25,000 paper units the same like Gauri what I has uh, to play with during the summer and until the construction project was over and they made beautiful works with it very creative so you kind of rolled into this uh, activity it, it yeah. was not it chose me it chose me you did not plan to get into this but you kind of just happened uh, from one project and because it was left over, you started uh, this activity. Exactly. This is why I like to use this uh, image as a reference, because it's made by mistake. This is a painting from uh, which, this is the, the, pa the painting of the alchemist discovering Phosphorus, and it's made by Joseph Wright of Derby, and it's describing how the alchemist was thinking that if he's going to boil the orin, he will discover gold, but he actually discovered phosphorus. And I think that you can, if I'm not mistaken, you can find the original painting in the Museum of Derby. Yeah. But I might be wrong about it. Anyhow, he is from Derby. So yeah, it's made by, he was. Uh, it's made by mistake. I was uh, from 2008 until 2010, I was still working as a part-time architect and writing for magazines. 
And since 2010, 2011, my uh, main job is collective paper aesthetics. And if I can go back, maybe here, I can explain the, the competitive edge of what we do. Because we do steam, we do develop and design and develop steam. Let's can we watch it again? We do design and develop steam education resources, but we do it in a scale of a placemaking, which means that we can play between these two things. It's not just a toy that you sit in the living room with, but you uh, you can take. You can take it out to the public place, space, place, space, and uh, and make it together. And another advantage of it for for designers is that the, it's easy to custom. I don't know. I should not say easy, but it's possible. It's not not always possible. Not always easy, but to custom made it. So this project. This is an EU grant that I received together with Cultural Heritage Without Borders in Tirana. And in this project, we designed the, the cubes, the boxes. We shaped them according to four different cultural heritage, architectural heritage buildings. And then we took them to two public spaces in Tirana. One is more intimate and one is more closer to the city center. And we let the, we invited the people to shape their own public spaces using the culture, their cultural heritage and the flexibility and the modularity. The it's great to have a design. It's great to have a design which is working. But now to keep on get to to develop myself to develop the project, it needs to also have flexibility and levels of adjustments. In our talk from uh, two weeks ago, mm -hmm. Gauri asked me uh, to speak a little bit about how do I get clients? Yes? Yes. So I use these three different channels. One is open calls, which the last two years we were lucky to have two big projects, uh, outcome of an open call, open calls, but we also made, I think, about 10 which were rejected. So open calls is a bit like lottery, um, but sometimes lottery is, yeah, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And you have uh, opportunity to improve yourself and the opportunity to collaborate with uh, interesting partners on these applications. And I yeah, I think whether you, or you like it or you don't, I sometimes I like it and sometimes I don't. And maybe the ones I like more, the ones I receive, I don't know. <laughs> then professional networking. It took me, I think only in 2012, I understood that museum education departments are the, the a market and they are the, and I, so then I build uh, a list of, uh, of, uh, of potential customers. And via them, I learned, through them I learned about professional networking and professional meetings. Uh, we Are Museums is one organization. But now like uh, before COVID, I joined uh, and usually they have meet, now all the meetings are online, 
and sometimes I join them online. We Are Museums is a, is a more contemporary one. There's a museum next, which I'm a member of, or you can find my materials in the directory. There's a, the National Art Education Association in the US. There is Excite, which is all about science museums in Europe. And this it was for me a good way not only to extend the network, but also to learn how my, what to learn how I can make my products better, my services better, to learn what other competitors are offering. And, and also to enjoy, because before Corona, the, the, these meetings were always very joyfully, a bit like the, the, the journey to Mumbai when we met. Yeah, yeah. And the last one is direct marketing, like MailChimp, tools like MailChimp to, to create a list and to update the, to update the network so every three months, every four months with the studio updates. So when, for you, it is very important that you reach out to your clients, right? What some do, you, and some, do you think some that and designers some. should wait till uh, people come to them or that designers should actually go out and, you know, tell people that I'm here and I can do this and this is what I can deliver? I think that as a business, if you look at yourself as a business, you always need to, at the beginning at least, to reach out. Afterwards, it's a balance, I presume, between reaching out and, and clients finding you. Some projects, <clears throat> sorry, some projects are like this and some projects are like that. But uh, still, if, if you look at Coca-Cola, which is uh, maybe the most marketable product, and you see how much Coca-Cola are investing in keeping them in our awareness all the time. So yes, it's a, it's a, it's both ways. Uh, both, yes, both ways game. Yeah, uh, so it's a brand recognition as well as uh, what also politicians in India do a lot. Uh, you know, staying in the public eye so that uh, you remember them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, about social media, I presume. I'm not a master of uh, doing that. And there are other designers who have way better and more popular accounts than me. Um, what I do try to do is that they will all have the same image. So it's clear when you land on, the, on my accounts that this is my account. I take care to update it daily as uh, Gauri Ga Ga knows. <laughs> Gauri knows and sometimes I have questions which I don't have an answer to so like because there are so many and you can be you can so what is your production method now what is your what? production how do you go into this production now you must be having to first design this uh, element right and then the element ah, but this, becomes... this is the next chapter one minute this is the next yeah, okay. chapter how do we make it but another advice that I have, if I have here young designers, is to buy this book. It was published last year by Riba, and it's a book by Jan Knicker. Jan uh, was the PR person of OMA, and he's doing business development for MVRDV for the past 10 years. And I wish a book like this was exist in the market when I started my own business. Very well written book about how to win work for designers and architects. Okay, then how do we design a project? And this is a 
photo from the Humboldt Forum under construction in 2019. When I have, when we receive a new commission, the most classic way is to actually have, uh, or the best way, the classic, <laughs> yes, um, the, is to have a workshop, internal workshop with the education team when I come with different models that we made before. Mm. We test them together for one day. We take a tour to the site and we discuss or we brainstorm what is the best outcome for the team, what model they like more, what model they think, what idea they want to communicate with the audience. And after this uh, brainstorm, which is, uh, if I can summarize what I said before, is like I bring my part and they bring their part and we need to find a way to make it successful for, for both of us. After this, I go back to the studio to think. In the, in the case of the Humboldt Forum, which is in Berlin, it's a recently open, large ethnological, ethnographical museum. Uh, on my, we, it, the building itself has an interesting history. It's in the center of Berlin. It used to be a Prussian castle. Then it was destroyed and it was the Palace de République. It was the, the governmental Public. building yeah. of the DDR. That built the, which was also destroyed. And then was a question what to do with the, with the site and with the building. And many people wanted to see it renovate, to, to see the Prussian castle back. So it's kind of, we want to delete one, two layers of history and bring back something, the, the old, old ones. Yeah. And that idea won. And on my way out of the meeting, I bought, I only found this little page on my computer. I bought the paper model of the old castle. And when I came back home, I started to play with it and to build it, to make it, because I also like to make paper models myself. <laughs> <laughs> and then I found that, that the dome, is situated on an octahedron. Yeah. And then I made different octahedrons in my studio and discuss it with the team. And they like the idea of the one which looks a bit like donut. Yeah. And then I also test it in computer. Every idea always. So here we have one. And then I test the multiplicity or the 3D organization in the computer in few. And next step is going to the factory and make a mock-up with Alberto. He's the cardboard engineer I work with for 10 years. And uh, kind of without him, I will, yeah, it's designed. Today you're speaking with me and I may be the front face of this project, but behind me, there's a big team, technical people and setup people that uh, the project would not arrive to where it is without them. So lots of thanks to Alberto and Labro. And then we do more computer models. So this is a computer model of how this gigantic model will look in the gallery space. When the design is uh, completed and confirmed with the client, we make a mechanical tool, which is called DICAT. Many of you, if you work in packaging industry, you're familiar with the tool. This is how they punch them in the factory. So the die cut is situated here and the cardboard is coming to the factory, to the die cut <laughs> and punched. Oops. Now the next step is the trimming. And since the shapes are quite complex, 
but the quantities are not big. So the trimming is done by hand. So normally, what is the size of a project? How many pieces do you have to deliver for a project? It's different from one, mm -hmm. from project to project. This project had 1,000 rings, okay. which are 2,000 pieces, okay. because every ring, every ring was made out of two pieces. Okay. And here you can see Mark from the education department and myself moving around some signage elements uh, in the gallery. This is after... 10 years now of working, we advise partners, clients, collaborators to place the activity on a soft surface. Because in my opinion, when people are comfortable to sit with children, they will most likely stay longer. So for me as a designer, it's, it's important that the environment is like we say in Dutch, yeah. and people feel welcome, yeah. comfortable. And this is the first day the museum invited the families of the employees to for an afternoon of uh, family fun. And at the end of the afternoon, we had three distinctive structures in the site at the entrance to the museum and team building exercise for the museum team. This is a video made by Luis, who's uh, working with me per project for the last 10 years. And Luis was taking it on Sunday evening when we, after we decided to connect all the pieces to a gigantic uh, labyrinth. We had a lot, a lot of pieces. There were many people, but the pieces, and we knew that it needs to stay strong for until August 31st when they will dismantle the work. So we came up with the idea to make a paper labyrinth. And Luis was taking the camera into a goodbye, uh, goodbye journey. <laughs> so uh, once it, the exhibition is done, then this is dismantled. They can be flattened out and then they can be reused, correct? Yes, exactly. But this um, one, of course, is specifically for this location because there is this building to which it was connected. Yeah, but sometimes we make models which are specifically for a location or for a client. And afterwards, if other museums want to reproduce them, we come back to our uh, client and we find a way or not to remake it. Okay. Uh, so sometimes I'm surprised that models which I found, I thought initially will be uh, useful for very specific uh, client or reason are actually becoming more useful for others. Oh, we're inside now. Yeah, it's a beautiful video. Yeah. I also remember seeing the Tate Gallery one, which you had specifically designed for the new Tate Gallery. Yeah, this one was Yeah. This one we never used I agree. Some of them are too specific. This one is still between abstract to... We're having a little problem with your sound, Noah. Do you hear me now? Yeah, better. Indeed, the one of the Tate was actually um, designed in the shape of the Tate Gallery building. So it was not... Uh, Usable for anybody else. Yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Until you find another building in this shape or... Maybe you can do something under the... Maybe you can do something under the Eiffel Tower with that. 
Um, Eiffel Tower has a bit different geometry than the okay. Tate Modern. Okay. But uh, the Tate Modern, the building had an interesting geometry because it was a twisted pyramid. Okay. So I like the challenge too. And in the case of the Humboldt Forum, the shape is more abstract. It doesn't, it's not so uh, literally translating. The, right. But sometimes, like in the case of the Pagoda robot, yeah. which is interpreting a painting from Latif Musawi in the National Gallery in Singapore, many, I was surprised how many museums wanted to have it afterwards, even though they don't have Latif Musawi uh, painting in their collection. Okay. And um, how do you communicate? Because you work in Korea, you work uh, all over the world, basically. And I know uh, in, in some parts of the world, they don't understand English so well. And this is not the easiest thing to explain what you do, right? So uh, I, I suppose that's why you have a lot of visual material to share. It's a good question. I don't know. I grew up, I grew up in English, in Hebrew and Afrikaans because my father was working in South Africa. So I think maybe by nature, yeah. I'm not so much relying on uh, verbal yes. communication yeah. and most of the times people just understand it that's the yeah. beauty of it and without uh, and in every place we try still in every place we travel we we have local guides to explain it but now also with animations and with images it's and it's some of them are also very intuitive but yeah we always work with local people on site who do speak the language and sometimes, like in the case of Singapore, we also had a civic engineer and like a whole team on site from Singapore to, to supervise the production and the setup. How was COVID for you? How did you get through the COVID period? So when COVID started, I actually thought that I will... My first thought was that I will need to close the business. They, I couldn't find a reference for it when I was preparing this lecture, but I, I do remember a lecture from Adrian Hauser from uh, West 8 when he uh, described how some parks or forests in the Netherlands were planted during the one of the financial depressions at the beginning of the century by... Uh, when the government sent people to initiative work, initiated work, if that's the right way to say it in English. So my first idea, <laughs> my first fear was that I will need to go and plant trees. <laughs> After accepting this, I, I volunteered to the Red Cross. Okay. And then I start to think, okay, how do we do the best out of it? Um, the first challenge was that as a business working mainly with museums, 93 percentages from our clients were closed and lost income. Um, that was the first challenge. The second challenge was, Socialism. as you could see in the photos, most of the activities are about working together in a close proximity and now we are we have to keep a distance and the third challenge was that my work was i'm based in the netherlands but all my clients are all over the world and 
the majority of the studio income is coming from export and with the restrictions on travel uh, on international travel there were I think three months last year where I could actually go nowhere and so how do we overcome this one by one <laughs> one by one cow by cow first thing I was doing I sent a free giveaway the video you can find on my YouTube channel but the first thing that we did was to give a free giveaway to all the studio clients and to everyone who ever asked for a price pricing or I had a video meeting with him on a post potential project free giveaway to cheer everybody to make this little thing that we can give and we were lucky because I was lucky we were lucky we had this we had it ready in the from a different project so we only had to make a campaign and send it the second the second thing was uh I think that few weeks before COVID was announced I don't think but I can't like it's difficult now for me to say if it's one month before or a few weeks before I was selected to the EU gateway to Korea and this is a beautiful business mission that I, I had the luck or the pleasure to do it before in Tokyo um, but and for this mission we need to make a campaign so the mission this time was online via, via Zoom And I took the advantage of the time and efforts we were supposed to spend on the campaign to actually, instead of campaigning it for public organizations, campaign it for, uh, for people, for, for buyers. For buyers uh, and uh, the, we spent the whole afternoon in the studio uh, finding out uh, what one can do with small Uh, assortments of pieces in a two-bedroom apartments and you can see more and read more about this in frame magazine from September 2020 where it was selected as one of the five uh, cardboard designs to improve home learning so it was like looking for how to shift from public to private with emphasis on learning the Next one was how do we communicate the instructions? And for this, we are very lucky to find Mandeep Singh. I'm not sure I pronounce yes. your name correct if you are attending. He's an yes. Indian animator. And at the beginning, my assistant and me were trying to, we made few instructional videos with iPhones and it wasn't working that it was working, but I think one of the beauties of this project is that it's between the abstract to the reality. And when making a model on the table and photographing it or taking the video from the top, one, the context is very clear. And with using animation, the context is still abstract. So we keep this quality of it's not really clear for the users. If it's, a, if it's an experiment, experience, if it's an object, if it's architecture. And I like very much the work of Mandip. And we work now together for half a year or nine months. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward for our next project. So he's not online yet. He's not online yet. I hope he will join us. I invited yeah. him. 
twice. Also learning from clients. Mudam and me are working together for 10 years now. And at the end of last year, on summer last year, they ordered a new project, but they were a bit con- having the concern of what will happen if they will need to close. Or actually not. At the beginning, they had a concern how to do it in small groups. And they found a space for it in the basement where they can host small groups separately. But then at the end of the year, they were asked to close very fast because the second lockdown in Luxembourg started. And, and then the education team in the museum, they decide that instead of canceling the project, they will uh, continue it in people's houses. So they pack the materials and they send um, invitation to the members via the marketing emails to come and take a kit if they want and use it at home and bring it back to the museum in the summer when restrictions are lifted. The campaign was more successful than expected because in one day all the kits were gone. Um, But the restrictions in Luxembourg are still not lifted uh, to a green level enough for us to ask people to bring them back. I'm really curious to see the next step of this project. And when I was in Korea this summer and the same thing happened to Chunju Craft Biennale, they had to cancel a workshop with me in Jeju Island. So I I transferred the knowledge from Udam and they were actually doing the same so, but this time, this time, the, because people were registering from all over Korea, they were sending them the, the kits by post. So, yes, it's a learning and teaching and teaching and learning. Um, so, COVID has been an interesting uh, new aspect for you that you go from a public space to a private home and still, you know, the applicability of your product remains. And it has opened the scope for you to do more, probably do ready kits and send them across uh, even around the world. Let's say if Indians get excited enough that we want to do something in a public space here, we could order a set from you uh, and uh, start working with it, right? Exactly. And new technology is also letting us to to sometimes overcome this uh, shipping uh, yeah the shipping uh, challenges but actually the logistics uh, business has prospered most during this pandemic because they have really grown manifold uh, due to the supply uh, that they have been doing to homes and across the globe that's one industry that has not suffered at all the cardboard costs increase during pandemic correct because uh, the consumption of uh, packaging, packaging. Uh, yeah. Amazon boxes, uh, etc. Yeah, yeah. Uh, international na- national delivery are high. International, I think there were yes, in the I mean yeah, but we are yeah we're lucky to work again. I as I said at the beginning, you see me and you see the brand. 
but there's a big group that is yeah. working behind to make all this. So I'm very lucky to work with Rinos that they take care that the materials are uh, travel going <laughs> arriving safe where they need to arrive. These are uh, I, I also remember a, this is the beginning of a setup in Kids Space Museum in uh, Pasadena, California, if I pronounce the name correct, they will start to work with children or with audience in general in September 17th. Sorry, what did you ask? I, I remember at one point seeing some of your work where you were also experimenting with materials. Yes, but I, uh, I put only one image like this here because I love experimenting with materials and I would love to see it made not only from cardboard, but the only, the only experiment we had until now is this one. It was made for the opening of uh, ICA Miami in 2017. We made it from polypropylene. Mm -hmm. The idea of the education department was that they will be able to use it every month for a period of one year. So it was important for them that they are able to wash it, which is not possible with cardboard. Yeah. Um, but it was it, the material itself is not strong as cardboard. And so we actually also, now we found a different material, different supplier. It's a, the cardboard is the most uh, robust product that I have nowadays. Yeah. And the rest until now stayed more experimental. Last year, we made a big grant application or a large grant application to develop it from 3D textiles, but this application was rejected. So we still have like ideas about how to, yeah, to maybe try to work with foams or with textiles, while cardboard also have the advantage that is recyclable. Yeah. Um, that's the Tate one. Yeah, that's the Tate one. I also like the story that I read about where you had um, gypsies, communities of gypsies that came together who did, were not educated, who where the women were not allowed to be part of activities. And uh, this community collective work that they could do in groups that gave them the chance to come out. Uh, of their communities for the first time almost. Do you mean the project in Tirana? Uh, was it Tirana? There was um, where, uh, you know, a, a community that was shunned by everybody else, but had a chance to play with your material at some point. Yeah, I didn't insert these images to the presentation this time. No problem. But um, if you could just tell us a little about it, how that happened. Because in India also, I can imagine that there are women and communities where they are not involved in a lot of such work. So uh, it would be very interesting on, you know, reaching out to them playfully and getting them to be creative with their children. In uh, 2015, I was contacted by the embassy of the Netherlands in Tirana, Albania. And we had they wanted to have the project and we were uh, brainstorming 
about the timing and uh, and the theme and how to tell the story and I'm I'm sorry for not remembering the name of the okay. because she was amazing she was sometimes the what I like about the Dutch culture is that the the ideas and the opinions of everyone around the table are uh, valid yes and the intern the girl who was doing her internship at the embassy back then she came up with the idea to work with the organization which is working with children from Roman families yes and teenagers who are sleeping rough in the streets who are also from Roma origin and we all uh, loved the idea and we went down to went down I mean on the globus you go down <laughs> so we went to Tirana and we worked the name of the organization is Alsis and we worked for one weekend in the morning we had the children who are aged seven until 14 maybe some of them were younger and each one of them made the If you look at the image now, so the system that we worked with them was a bit similar. Yeah. So every child made one, at the first day, they made like one or two tetrahedras, and then we teach them how to make an octahedra. And then the last day we also taught them, or the second day we taught them how to make the spheres. And in the evening came, or in the late afternoon came the, the older brothers and sisters, And they were enthusiastically building for them the big heart from what they made in the morning. It's a, indeed very beautiful and special project. And many thanks to the Netherlands Embassy for, uh, in Albania for giving me this opportunity. So uh, that is actually what uh, really, really uh, interests me about your work, that it can reach out to people And bring people together where uh, you know uh, social hierarchies can be broken uh, because it is not meant for I only people who can uh, see or hear or something like that but it's something that is tactile and uh, young people older people can come together and work together to create something beautiful It's not about we're always doing something about violence but this is something that brings people together and that's why I like what you do very much thank you almost... I, uh, maybe I I miss to I miss saying that miss I neglect mentioning that uh, the, the last day of the activity in uh, Tirana was the Some kind of a museum night or a happening for Independence Day and we invited the, the teenager ages the rough sleepers to be the guides in the museum that evening and in that way we also played with the we shift the play and I hope it was an empowering experience for them even though it's only half a day in their life which is a uh, very short true true shall we throw it open for questions because we've already completed our time but we should uh, le- let the audience also ask some questions 
With pleasure. Yeah. Maybe you can stop sharing your screen and uh, everybody can come on the same screen then. You can see people. I don't have a question, but I just want to say that it's really great how you shared your work, uh, Noah. It was incredible to see the whole process, to see the challenges, and also to see how you've actually um, overcome the challenges in the way you have. And it's definitely really great uh, to see your work. Thank you for sharing so honestly. Thank you very much for inviting me to speak here. Um, Gauri, I have a question. I mean, it's a very, I just want, I'm just curious. Uh, especially in a place like India, and I know a lot of other countries do have dust as an issue. How do you yeah. manage that with paper, with cardboard? Dust? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? That the hands are becoming oh. dusty or? No, the uh, the sculpture, the product, right? The, your art oh. piece. How do you I manage? Mean, or is it okay? Do people, are people okay with dust being there on um, the cardboard? which is lying out, which is made. That's a great <laughs> question. It's a great question. It's a really great question. I don't know if I've framed it rightly, but that's the first problem I have when I, I suggest paper or cardboard to any of my clients. And the first thing is, how, do, how will we manage dust? And I keep thinking to myself, you know what, dust is part of our lives. So <laughs> it's okay if it gets dusty, but I'm sure it can be cleaned. But have you ever faced that issue if, has anyone ever asked you this question? What about dust? Okay. I ask myself because my studio, okay. not, right now I'm not in my studio, but when I'm in my studio, it's full of dust. So <laughs> I face this question daily. Um, in the museum, it's the longest that it's standing is two or three months. And okay. sometimes they are like taking it down and then rebuilding it. Okay. So... I don't think that for museums, the dust was an issue. Okay. It wasn't standing any, yeah, we never tried what's happening if it's standing there for a year. Okay. Materials which are standing in my studio for a year, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, do have dust and I, uh, yeah, dice on them from time to time. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, but yes, um, the thing is that, yeah, it's for, for museums, for a temporary activity, the dust is not, uh, is not an important parameter. And I, it will be interesting to know, actually, it's an interesting question to forward to Chunju Craft Biennale because they're gonna have the, the green structures there now for five or six weeks. I wonder okay. if they will have dust. I'm not sure. I don't know. I will ask them. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> Very interesting it was. <laughs> and Noah, you still have to go through uh, quarantine every time you move, right? So I remember when I ca caught up with you, you were just in uh, Berlin. Uh, you, had, you were in quarantine and I could catch you early in the morning. Uh, in Berlin, I actually was lucky. In Berlin, I was lucky. I okay. really need quarantine. But I spent two weeks in a quarantine hotel in Korea this summer. And now I'm in a quarantine in my mother's place for one week. And then when I will return to the Netherlands, I will have to do most likely another five or ten days. So, yes. But uh, maybe as a designer, it's you, you, make it, you make productive time out of it. <laughs> 
So it's funny, like my aunties are telling me to read a book or if I watch the television and I actually, I work, so it's okay. <laughs> so the question from Roshni is, what do you do with the remaining cuttings, the cardboard pieces uh, which are left behind after the process? So the ones in the factory, they send them immediately to, to recycle. To rec okay. And the ones in the, in the museum, usually they use them afterwards for more activities. Okay. So yeah, I don't have this, uh, I didn't enter this, I didn't place this photo in the, in the PowerPoint, but last week there was a child one of the ch children, she made a beautiful Mandela using the leftovers. Okay. So I think people are very creative with them too. And in some of the models, we try to help them by making, uh, if, if the leftovers are big enough, so we make slots in them so they can be useful too afterwards. Okay. So I have a question, uh, Noah. Yes. So like what I am wanted to know is whatever museum pieces or wherever you do a project. Okay. I, I, am I audible? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that what happens, like you said, they are always for a small time frame. So post that, like you said, like they either use it for a repeated activity or then at the end of the day, I mean, how, how long does this whole uh, component or the, uh, piece of your uh, cardboard yeah. last in a half. What How is the longest it? duration that you would know someone has used your project material, you know, ongoingly? Because I'm also wondering uh, about the sustainability or the, you know, how much cardboard and paper is used and then where does this whole, you know, come back to? Um, that's a good question. Sometimes I know, sometimes I don't, sometimes I surprise them still exist. So in terms of robustness of the material, mm -hmm. some of the pieces from 2012, mm -hmm. uh, they still exist in the, in the Netherlands embassy in Tokyo and mm -hmm. in the School mm -hmm. of Architecture in Madrid. It's uh, that was the very first cardboard project was in China. I have no, yeah, it was in Shenzhen and I don't know what happened with it after, but the second uh, production round was in the Netherlands and was my first collaboration with Labro. And since I, I'm still in contact with the Netherlands embassy in Tokyo and with students in Madrid, I know that some of these pieces are still alive and I'm, I'm surprised that they're still alive. Some museums using them, I think most the cardboard materials belongs to the museums. So they use them afterwards for activities for, with children for, and usually I'm not really in the, I'm not kept in the, in the, in the, oh, informed for how water. long they're using it. Okay. Um, I know that some galleries are running the program for a few months. Mm -hmm. So Cade, it's a, it's a museum in Florida in Gainesville. I worked with them in 2019. And back then they operated the project for two and a half months mm -hmm. inside the gallery. Um, 
in that sense, it's it's uh, it's not like a table or a chair that you can say that this is the product and it's going to stay indoor for good for 10 years or it can stand outdoor good for two years. It's... Um, do you, do you have problems of people copying your work? I uh, I have. Yes, I mean some I think that when you make something uh, something cute or something fun for me it's difficult to say beautiful about my own work but when you say some when you make something beautiful or something cute and which is fun which is has a potential to be successful um or which is successful then uh, one of the things that you need to learn how to deal with is with copycats too and it's um it's one of a it's a professional challenge huh? uh, <laughs> which we all have to deal with ah uh, here's a nice question noah how do you manage with the smell of cardboard maybe at the beginning it was a bit hard but then you get used to it. So uh, maybe at the beginning it was a bit hard, but then you just get used to it. Yeah. After 10 years, you don't smell it anymore or you smell it or yeah. All right. I think we've crossed a lot of our time that was for this event. Thank you so much for uh, agreeing to be here to share your journey, to talk about the intricacies of your work. And I think everybody who's here uh, has stayed, we, we went up to quite a number today and everybody who stayed back, I think uh, really was interested in what you do and how you do. So thank you so much. And we hope to see you someday in India with uh, at least uh, 2000 of your products so that we can all get together on a square somewhere and build something fantastic. I hope so too. I hope so too. I would love to be back in India. Um, and thank you very much for joining, for listening, um, for, yeah, for putting your time in listening to me. Thank you very, very much. <laughs> and thank you, Gauri, for inviting me. No, no. It's the ADI platform and the idea is to grow this community to bring interesting uh, information that has missed most of the generic public. So that is the purpose of the Tete-a-Tete, to introduce interesting people, their interesting work to the larger community. So here today you have maybe, a, we've gone up to about 20, 27 people, but with the YouTube uh, video, we will be able to reach out to many more. And that is the whole purpose of this, that, you know, nice work, interesting people uh, who do a lot of hard work gets known to more people. For me, I appreciate very much everybody who's uh, joining. And yes, that's a, as a designer. Sometimes you speak to yourself. Sometimes you speak to one. Sometimes you speak to six. It's all cool. Great. And you appreciate everyone who's uh, coming to listen. Thank you so much. Thank, you. Thank, Thank you. you. And let's start the weekend. Have fun. Yes. Bye-bye. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.